You're listening to an audio message from The Well, a gospel-centered church family in Hastings, Nebraska that exists to grow disciples and glorify God. For more information, please visit www.thewellhastings.com. Good morning, everybody. It is very good to be here with you all. Thank you, Joe, for that lovely intro. My family and I have really enjoyed uh, worshiping with you all for the last several weeks. Um, worship team, thank you for leading joyfully. Joe, thank you for preaching faithfully. It's been a blessing to be here. Um, I am thankful for the opportunity to open God's Word with you all this morning. Um, to begin, I'd like to ask you a very serious question. If you could be any animal, what would it be? What would you choose? I told you it was very serious. You want to know what animal I'd be if I could choose? I would be a rodeo bull. Not, not, just, not just a bull, a rodeo bull. Uh, because I think that they have the most fun out of any animal. Think about it. Think about it. They get to compete in one of the most exciting sports on earth. And they are some of the most well taken care of animals out there. They get fed really well, they stay in nice barns, they even get, the professional ones, get an actual retirement. After a few good years of competition, they get to live out the rest of their lives on some sweet ranch, um, just enjoying life. That would be animal I would choose? What animal would you be if you could choose? But what if we change the question just a little bit? Instead of what animal would you be if you could choose, what animal do you think best represents who you are as an individual? Slightly change the question, but it's a big difference, right? What animal best represents who you are as an individual? I don't want to pick on anyone here, so we'll just use me as an example. Let's get real. Instead of me being a big, muscly, majestic-looking rodeo bull, I'd be more like a bantam rooster, uh, a miniature donkey, a Datsun. You know those little dogs with the stubby legs? Okay, you, you get the picture. But what do you think is the animal that best represents you? Your looks, your personality, whatever. The Bible is actually very clear in answering this question for us. God's word in many different places tells us that all humans are like one animal, sheep. We're not big, beautiful lions or horses, sheep, just sheep. An animal that most people consider to be really stupid, slow, really needy. So how's that for a boost in your confidence and self-esteem this morning? You are a sheep. Your animal representative, mine included, sheep. This morning we're going to look at Psalm 23 together, and I hope that by the end of it we will learn a few things about sheep, and more particular, a shepherd that loves us very much. And I hope that that will result in making us all happy that our animal representative is a sheep. 
So I know that Psalm 23 is a very familiar passage for many of us. Um, It's probably the most familiar of all the Psalms, one of the most quoted passages in all of Scripture, even by unbelievers, strangely enough. But hopefully that doesn't cause us to approach this familiar passage with an unhelpful or careless attitude. There's a huge difference between being familiar with a passage of Scripture, knowing what it says, compared to actually being affected by the truth that it reveals. So it's not just do we know what it says, do we know what Psalm 23 says, but do our lives reflect what it says? There's a big difference. So hang with me as we read Psalm 23 together. It will be on the screen up here, and if you don't have a Bible, I love that you guys put Bibles under the seat, so if you're new, there should be a Bible under the seat in front of you. You can follow along with me as I read Psalm 23. This is God's holy word. It's infallible, and and it's for us. Psalm 23 says, The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Let's pray together. God, we are so grateful for your word. We thank you for this psalm. God, we thank you that you have given us time and space to sit and enjoy it this morning together. Would you bless the reading of your word, the preaching of your word, and God, we pray that you, by your spirit, would help us to apply your word to our lives as we go from here. Grow us, grow us into the image of Christ through your word this morning. We pray in his name. Amen. Well, we just read one of the most comforting passages in all of Scripture. Just a little bit of background on this psalm. It's an amazing psalm that was written by King David in the Old Testament. Before David became king, the Bible tells us that growing up, David was a keeper of his father's sheep. So he was, he was a shepherd boy. So it makes sense that he would write a psalm about a shepherd. And because it is a psalm, it was written as poetry, or as a song, or a hymn. So David was not just a shepherd, he was a musician. And the other cool thing about this psalm is that most commentators bring out that it, it was a song that was written as a song of confidence. Confidence. In other words, it was artistically written to evoke or produce a confidence in God for everyone who would hear it or sing it. I thought that was cool. Psalm 23 is certainly one of the most comforting passages in all of Scripture, and as such, 
it was designed to instill confidence in God as our shepherd. So that's just a little bit of background. May the Lord use this psalm to really strengthen our confidence in him. That's my hope. So let's look at the passage together. This text, this psalm, it helps us in two specific ways. First, it helps us to understand who God is and how he relates to us. So this psalm helps us, should help us, understand who God is and how he relates to us. He is our shepherd. Secondly, Psalm 23 should help us to remember our rightful place. We are his sheep. That's a very important distinction. We're not just sheep. Okay? We are his sheep. We are not our own. We belong to God. This is both humbling and honorable. We are not our own, meaning we are not in charge. We are not God. That's humbling. But we belong to God. We are his. The almighty creator of everything takes notice of us, and we are in his care. That is an honorable place to be. In fact, the most honorable place to be. So this is a reminder to all of us this morning. We are not master and commander of our lives. God is. And that is actually wildly freeing. And it's a wonderful truth to know and to believe. So Psalm 23 helps us to understand who God is and how he relates to us, our shepherd. And Psalm 23 helps us to remember our rightful place. We are his sheep. So verse 1, David gives a very concise statement of his theology of God, his knowledge of who God is. And he also gives a very concise yet all-inclusive statement of his trust in God. So we'll actually be spending the majority of our time on verse 1, and we won't make it to the very end of the psalm, but we'll see how verse 1 ends up spilling into verses 2 through 4. So let's join David by contemplating who this shepherd is, and may we, like David, glory in the reality of who God is and what his relationship to us is like. So what's the character, or what's the quality and the nature of this shepherd? Verse 1, David says, The Lord is my shepherd. The Lord. That should be all capital letters in your Bible. The Lord. Literally, in Hebrew, this is the very name of God, Yahweh, which is based off of God's self-identifying statement to Moses back in Exodus 3, where he says, I am who I am. Moses asks, well, when they ask me who sent me, which God was it, what, what should I tell them? What's your name? God says, I am who I am. This is the name that is above every other name, a name so sacred that it was spoken and written with much fear and reverence in Bible times. The very creator God who is over and above all, he alone is the one who stands outside of time and space. He's too good to describe. He's too holy to comprehend. He's too righteous to approach. He's too magnificent and glorious to even look at. 
And it's this God, as crazy as it may sound at first, that is not only all of these things, but David says, this God, my God. He is actually my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. David calls him that. By using the term shepherd, David is saying, the very God of the universe is actually my personal caregiver. He's the one who guides me. He's the one who guards me through all of life. That is what it means to be a shepherd. A shepherd is a personal and present caregiver who faithfully guides and guards his sheep. This is a concise definition of what a shepherd is. A shepherd is a personal and present caregiver who faithfully guides and guards the sheep. And this is what David is marveling about as he begins this psalm. And the awesome thing for us is that this is how God relates to all of his children. All of his sheep can say this about the Lord. Because of the goodness and grace in Jesus, which we will see in a moment, we get to join David in the privilege of calling God our shepherd. He's my shepherd, and he's your shepherd. He takes notice of an interest in each of his sheep. He provides and he cares for us. That is what a shepherd does. And this is the main point of this passage. The Lord is the personal caregiver of his people, and he faithfully guides and guards them throughout all of life. The main point of this passage is that the Lord is the personal caregiver of his people, and he faithfully guides and guards them through all of life. Now this if we rightly understand who God is, this should be baffling and amazing to us. That the all-powerful God of the universe would be our personal caregiver. It sounds almost wrong to say it that way, doesn't it? But it's not. It is a wonderful truth from God's word that we must know and we must believe. It's encouraging to note that David also struggled at times to believe this truth about God. Listen to Psalm 8. David also wrote Psalm 8. In verses 3 and 4, he said this, When I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is man that you are mindful of him? And the son of man that you care for him? David had to wrestle through this truth as he gazed at God's creation. And he's like, are you sure, God? Are you sure you care about us humans? Are you really mindful of me? Don't miss the depth and level of care that God has for you, that the shepherd has for his sheep. They are his sheep. He is possessive and protective of every single one of his sheep. This is something that can get overlooked by us all too easily, but it's an undeniable truth that God makes clear both throughout the Old Testament and the New Testament. We just looked at Psalm 8. Now look at 1 Peter chapter 5. 1 Peter 5 verses 6 through 7 says, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you 
casting all your anxieties on him. Why? Because he cares for you. He cares for you. You really can throw all your worries and all your fears on God because he really cares for you. Maybe you're here and you feel like no one really cares about you. It's not true. God sees you. In fact, God sees every bit of your life. He knows all of the good and all of the bad that no one else sees. And guess what? He cares about you. He deeply cares about you. Let this passage, Psalm 23, and let the other passages, Psalm 8, 1 Peter 5, let these passages fill your heart with joy, knowing that the Lord cares deeply for you. The Lord is your shepherd. As shepherd, God is the personal caregiver of his people. But don't, don't get it twisted. This doesn't mean that God is your personal butler who is there to wait on you hand and foot and bring you whatever you want whenever you want it. For God to be your personal caregiver means he's not your butler, but he's your father. He's your father who cares deeply for you, and he is present in your life and attentive to all your needs. He's the perfect father. In fact, the metaphor of shepherd is a wonderful picture of fatherhood. And though this isn't the point of the text, there is a lot of helpful imagery and parallels for all fathers here today on Father's Day. As fathers, we have been given the awesome privilege and responsibility to be that intentional and present caregiver to each of our children. We get to be the ones to guide them and guard them through life. They're an awesome parallel. This is an awesome privilege, and it's an awesome responsibility. Fathers, I'd encourage all of us to take some time this week to contemplate, meditate on fatherhood as shepherding, and how you can apply this metaphor and imitate God as shepherd in raising your children. All right, that's enough of Father's Day blurb. We'll get back to the word. There is another way in which Psalm 23 can be a huge help for us. Notice the language and the tone of this passage as a whole, especially as it spills into verses 2 and 3. The Lord is my shepherd. He makes me lie down. He leads me. He restores me. He guides me. All for his name's sake. Where's the focus here? Is it on the sheep? No, the focus is clearly on the shepherd. We must keep our focus on God and not ourselves. When our focus is on God rather than ourselves, we find that we have every reason to be satisfied, no matter what. Relationship with God is the only thing that will actually satisfy all of us. Everything else we may try, everywhere else we may go, looking for satisfaction, it will disappoint. Only he can satisfy. He must be our focus. Now let's look a little more closely at who the shepherd is. Who is he exactly or personally? What does he look like? Well, over a thousand years after this psalm was written, the very shepherd himself 
came down and dwelt among the sheep. God became man, a man named Jesus from Nazareth. And even at the beginning of Jesus' earthly ministry, he does something incredible that reveals to us, though in a subtle way, that he actually is the fulfillment of David's psalm. He is that shepherd. Listen to John chapter 1, verse 43. I love this verse when thinking of Psalm 23. John 1, 43 says, The next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee. There, he found Philip. Jesus found Philip, and he said to him, Follow me. Can you see the work of the good shepherd here in this verse? It's him. He's going after one of the sheep. It says he found Philip. Then he called out to him, follow me. This is both the action and the language of a shepherd. If that's not clear enough for you, uh, look at John chapter 10. Jesus himself is going to explain it to us. Jesus says in John 10 verses 14 and 15, I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me, just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. Can you see that he's not just the good shepherd in some metaphorical sense? He actually became a man, and he became that shepherd who went out and found his sheep and called them to himself. And then, not only that, but he laid down his life for his sheep. Stay in John chapter 10. Look, at, look down at verses 27 and 28. Jesus continues to speak, and he says, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. Because Jesus died for our sins, we will never perish. We get eternal life because of his sacrificial death. Anyone, anyone who would repent of their sins and believe in the life, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus will be saved because he didn't stay dead. He rose from the dead. He laid down his life for the sheep, but then he rose from the dead, and he remains alive this day, seated at the right hand of God. He says, I am the good shepherd. I am the good shepherd. Can you see him as the good shepherd going from place to place during his earthly ministry, calling out to his sheep to follow him? And they did. He went out in the very same way. He did that with all of his disciples. And in the same way, he went out and he found you. And he said, follow me. The good shepherd calling his sheep to himself. The Lord is my shepherd, therefore I shall not want. And we, all those of us who believe and follow him, we are his sheep, and this is our rightful place. We're not just sheep, dumb, bumbling around sheep. We are his sheep. Now, what's the duty of a sheep? What was a sheep created to do? To follow, right? Its very nature is one of complete dependence. Dependence upon someone else 
for its well-being. Most people assume that sheep are just really stupid animals. It's actually not true. Now, they're certainly not known for extreme intelligence, but it, that doesn't mean that they're just stupid. Why people think that they are stupid is because sheep, by and large, have no sense of direction. Unless they are in a small pen, they will get lost very easily. They don't know where to go, they can't figure out directions, and without a guide, they're in a lot of trouble. So we see the wisdom of God in referring to his people as sheep. We saw this in the above passage from John, from the mouth of Jesus himself, but there are also many Old Testament passages with this language as well, referring to us as sheep. We're sheep, we're not lions or tigers, or bears. All of those animals, exactly, all of those animals are very independent, impressive creatures, right? They go out, they find their own food. They actually go out and they attack and kill and eat their own food. They take care of themselves. Sheep are not that way. Sheep are dependent. Dependent on somebody else for their being for their well-being. Very nature is one of dependence upon something outside of themselves. And in reality, sheep only really need one thing. They need a shepherd. That's it. If they have a good shepherd, all their needs, all their other needs will be met. That's just like us, isn't it? We weren't created to be master and commander of our own lives. We were created to follow our shepherd. We're not independent beings left to ourselves with no purpose but the ones we choose for our lives. If that were the case, we would royally screw it up. Every time. The Bible says we all like sheep. All of us, we all like sheep have gone astray. Our very identity is one of complete dependence, not independence. We were created by God God. Colossians 1 tells us that all things were created through him and for him. And this is really helpful for those of us that struggle with needing to be in control of everything. Those of us that have trust issues. We're not in control any more than a sheep is in control of when and where it eats, drinks, or sleeps. We must trust in God just as a sheep trusts its shepherd. Think about when a sheep attempts to be its own shepherd. Just think about that for a minute. Bad things happen. Imagine a sheep breaking away from the flock in order to, to go out on its own. If that were the case, the beginning of Psalm 23 would read something like this. I am my own shepherd. I have many wants. I don't know where to go. I'm vulnerable to being attacked. I'm hungry, thirsty, I'm tired. I'm stuck in the valley of the shadow of death, and I am terrified. In the same way, whenever we attempt to be our own shepherd, whenever we don't have a spirit of submission to God, but are trying to control everything in our lives, it goes about as well as a sheep trying to be its own shepherd. I am not my own shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. 
Now, what does all this, what does all this produce? We've taken a long look at David's theology of God. He says he's the almighty, amazing God. He's our God. He's our shepherd. Now, we're going to see David's trust in this God at the end of verse 1. He says, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. So David's theology of God produces complete trust and satisfaction in God. Total trust and satisfaction in who God is and what he's done. I shall not want means I don't need anything else. I need exactly nothing else because the Lord is my shepherd. Okay, I know verse 1 took a long time, but this last part is going to go fast. Let's now look at how this has developed more into verses 2 through 4. In verses 2 through 4, we find three specific ways in which the shepherd, God, helps and cares for his sheep. First, he gives his sheep everything they need. Second, he guides his sheep everywhere they need to go. And third, he guards his sheep in every way necessary. So this shepherd gives, he guides, and he guards. Let's look at verses 2 and 3 together. These two verses have a back and forth element to them. Here we find God giving and guiding in both. Verse 2, he makes me lie down in green pastures. The shepherd gives his sheep everything that they need. God gives sustenance and he gives life. Then it says, he leads me beside still waters. The shepherd guides his sheep exactly where they need to go. And then verse 3, he restores my soul. Again, this is God giving restoration, giving life. Then it says, he leads me in paths of righteousness. Again, he guides us. He guides us where we need to go. All for what? Why is he doing this? All for his namesake. He does all this for his glory. Where should our focus be? Never on the sheep. It's not about me. It's not about you. It's about him. It's all for his namesake. How comforting, though. He gives and he guides for his glory. Now we get to verse 4. I told you we were going to go fast. The last verse we'll look at, here the setting takes quite a turn for the worse, doesn't it? If we were left with just Psalm 23, 1 through 3, we'd almost be tempted to think that David believes in a prosperity gospel or that maybe he's talking about heaven, but that's clearly not the case. Verse 4, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Sounds terrifying. But look what he says. I will fear no evil. That's a huge statement. He better have something huge to back that up with, to justify that. Why will he fear no evil whatsoever? It says, for you are with me. You are with me. God's presence is precisely why he will fear no evil. Do you think that verse 4 here is depicting a sheep that has gotten lost and is now wandering helplessly into the valley of the shadow of death alone? It's clearly not the case. The sheep depicted here is being 
led there. And not just led to the valley of the shadow of death. Catch that word. It, it doesn't say to the valley of the shadow of death. It says through it. God is leading this sheep through the valley of the shadow of death. And he is with that sheep. What a precious statement. He'll never leave you. He will never forsake you. Even in, or especially in, the valley of the shadow of death. Now, in keeping with the theme here, I couldn't not include a Charles Spurgeon quote and make it through this sermon. So, Charles Spurgeon, writing about this verse, and I'm not going to do the voice, by the way. (laughs) Charles Spurgeon, writing about this verse, said this. He said, Behold, how independent of outward circumstances the Holy Spirit can make the Christian. Behold, how independent of outward circumstances the Holy Spirit can make the Christian. That's just wonderfully helpful. We can say, I will fear no evil because God is with me. The language of verse 4 is very important. It doesn't say, even though I walk to the valley, it says, even though I walk through it. God will be with you, and he will lead you through it. While we're thinking about the language here, notice the shift that's made from verses 1 through 3 to verse 4. You catch that? Up until verse 4, David's been declaring wonderful things about God. He is this. He does this. He is this. But then in verse 4, and throughout the rest of Psalm 23, he starts communicating directly with God. He starts saying, you, you are this, you do this. So it shifts from he to you. It's as though all these wonderful truths about, that David was declaring about God just all of a sudden overtake him to where he's led to praising God directly for being so wonderful. And in the same way, for us, if our knowledge of God does not produce worship and communion with God outside of Sunday morning, then something's wrong with our knowledge of God. If our knowledge of God does not produce worship and communion with God outside of Sunday morning, something's wrong with our knowledge about God. Let's look at the last part of verse 4. He goes on to say, Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Here we see that the shepherd guards his sheep. Verses 2 through 3, we saw he gives and he guides. Now in verse 4, we see that he guards his sheep in every way necessary. Back in the day, shepherds didn't just carry one of those nice little shepherd's hooks. They carried a shepherd hook, but they also carried a club. That was the rod. So the shepherd hook was very useful. They could use it to literally hook the sheep by the neck and pull them back where he needed to go. Or in some cases, hook them by the leg and keep them from jumping off a cliff or doing something else that was stupid. But the, but the rod, the rod was this nasty, thick-looking club that was used to literally beat down wild animals that would come after the sheep. So these shepherds weren't just weak, feminine men with you know, a silly hook. They had weapons with them. 
your rod and your staff, they comfort me. And the lesson here is that God is fully equipped to guide and guard you in every way necessary. God will protect you. The Lord Jesus is the good shepherd. And to everyone who believes, he is your shepherd. He gives you everything you need. He guides you everywhere you need to go. And he guards you in every way necessary. Truly, we shall not want because he is our shepherd. So what is it right now? What is it right now that God is calling you to? If you are his sheep, that means you hear his voice. So what is he calling you to from his word this morning? Maybe you're here and you haven't been following real close to the shepherd lately. You haven't been listening to his voice as much for whatever reason. You've been neglecting reading your Bible. You can feel that wearing on you. You just need to be reminded that God's sheep hear his voice and follow him. You hear his voice by reading his word. He is always speaking through his word. Are you listening? What's one small thing about your daily schedule that you could change to make his word more of a priority in your life, if that's you? Or maybe you're here and you're struggling with trust issues and needing to be in control of everything in your life, and that's not going great. Or maybe that's an ongoing frustration for you. If that's you, I think God's word is calling you to repent. Repent of your self-sufficiency and your efforts to be your own shepherd, and then rest. Rest in the comfort and care of God as your shepherd. He will actually do a much better job than you every single time. Maybe you're here and you're a father, and you need to take an honest look and inventory at your children, their needs, their struggles, their desires, and how, how you can imitate your heavenly father and shepherd them better. Ask the Lord to help you care for them and guide them and guard them. Lastly, maybe you're here and you are that lost sheep, the one that strayed from the flock and you feel like you have no shepherd and that you are lost and headed for hell. Look at the grace of God in bringing you here this morning to hear a message about salvation. You hearing Psalm 23 is the good shepherd's voice calling you to himself. He's calling you to leave your life of sin and to come and follow him. God is the shepherd of his sheep, and he goes out to find the lost ones and bring them back. Jesus left heaven to come to earth and rescue the lost sheep. He calls you to quit trying to be Lord of your life and submit to his call and follow him. And for every single one of us, may we respond to this most comforting psalm with praise and thanksgiving to God for the wonderful and amazing way in which he loves us and he cares for his sheep. He is our shepherd. We are his sheep. Let's pray. God, we are grateful that you are not just God of the universe high above somewhere else, ruling and reigning over your creation as some heartless, distant dictator, but you, you are our shepherd. You humbled yourself, became a man, that you could lay your life down for us, call us to follow you. God, this is amazing 
grace, and we sit and marvel at the truth from your word, at the grace in Jesus. And God, we do pray that you would help us to go from here believing your word, believing that you really are that gracious and you really are that good. Help us, God. Strengthen our faith in your word this morning. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. You're listening to an audio message from The Well, a gospel-centered church family in Hastings, Nebraska that exists to grow disciples and glorify God. For more information, please visit www.thewellhastings.com.